Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you so very much for taking a moment to take a look at the book with me. We're going to be studying about the Feast of God. I have a five-part audio series on CD entitled that, The Feast of God. How do they play into end times activities? Well, the Bible talks much about the Feast of God. They had a historic and agricultural background, and they have a great prophetic significance. Let's take a moment and listen to another portion of this five-part series entitled A Trio of Feast. We'll be back in just a moment to tell you how you can get your copy of The Feast of God. Right now, here's the study. You know, we started out our first session together, as far as our Bible studies are concerned, looking for the signature of God on His Word. We looked at the Bible historically, scientifically, medically, and then prophetically. And saw indication in our first study together that God has taken these 66 books, 1188 chapters, and taken and put his signature over them. I pray as we continue the study together, as we go further into an understanding of what God has laid on our hearts to teach these days together, you might see more of the signature of the God who is the one who sent that Paschal Lamb, the one who is the one who provided this book, the one who has given us eternal life. We talked about the Passover, and that which was to be an eternal, an eternal observance by the Jewish people, yearly meeting together at the Passover Seder table, the Father rehearsing for the family those things that took place almost 3,500 years ago. And seeing that as we looked at that, we saw that Jesus Christ, that individual who, is, as we're going to see tonight, is the Passover lamb, was responsible in his own life as a Jewish gentleman to go to Jerusalem for the feast of Pesach or the Passover time. We saw in the second chapter of John how he began to set the Seder table. And as the Lamb of God so designated by John the Baptist, who said, Behold the Lamb of God. He said, Destroy this body, and in three days I will raise it up, guaranteeing that he was who he said he was and could do what he said he would do. And then as we looked at the narrative of the feeding of the 5,000, we realized that Jesus Christ was not only the Passover lamb, but he was the unleavened bread. And we saw him set the table at the unleavened bread table and saying that he was the bread of life. And no one will come to me and go away hungry, thirsty, and that he would provide all that was needed for them. And then the bitter fruits, the bitter herbs, excuse me, the bitter herbs were presented as we looked at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ in John chapter 19. The bitter herb of betrayal by Judas, of denial by Peter, of... Uh, being left alone by the disciples, of being uh, disapproved by the religious leaders, of being mocked by the Jews at the foot of the cross. And we see this person, Jesus Christ, participating in the Passover Seder and, in fact, being the center of the Passover Seder. But the Passover was only the beginning of what God was going to give to the Jewish people that's going to give us, I believe, a deeper understanding 
and a capability of seeing the signature of God continuing on the Word of God. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Leviticus. Passover, starting in the book of Exodus, chapter 12. The book of Leviticus now is going to, with its 27 chapters, lay out something for us that is going to, I think, be of great significance as we spend the next four sessions together studying about the Feast of Jehovah, or the uh, Moadi of Jehovah, the appointed times of the Lord himself. These feasts that he was going to give to the Jewish people for a special, special purpose. These feasts that were going to be observed from the time he gave them and the time they come into the land until eternity future. We're going to see how God is going to work through these particular feasts as we look together at uh, these that God has given. Uh, we, we, we see Leviticus laying out for us, quite interestingly, you can divide Leviticus basically into three parts. By the way, the book of Leviticus is the first book that any young Jewish boy will study. Because the book of Leviticus in the first seven chapters lays out the sacrificial system that God gave to Moses, then who reduced it to paper and gave it to the Jewish people. Chapters 8, 9, and 10 lay out the standards for the priest who would be responsible for the sacrificial system. And then chapters 11 through 27 present the system of worship that the Jewish people were to be involved in. God is going to give them this feast, or these feasts, for the purpose of allowing them to have the responsibility of honoring him with their observations of all of these particular feasts. The 23rd chapter lays out the feast, and the 23rd chapter lay out for, lays out for us, I think, probably four different uh, significant points as it relates to the feast. First of all, it relates to us the historical background of the Jewish people. It relates to us and has an historical undergirding or foundation that gave the people a motivation or a responsibility to give thanks, to remember what God had done for them. You'll see when we get into the feast, there's a feast, for example, of Passover, which we've just talked about. They were to remember once a year what God had done for them, bringing them out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage after 430 years, and taking them towards the promised land. We'll look at the last of the feasts, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, to take place in the seventh month on the 15th day of that seventh month, either September or October, according to the Jewish calendar. And that particular feast, the people are supposed to, for seven days, live in a sukkah. A sukkah is a booth. And in fact, the, the feast is called the Feast of Sukkot. And you're they're supposed to build this booth similar to the ones that they have lived in after they came out of the bondage. And they were to remember as they would partake of their meals, even spend the night, have the family gather together in this booth, in this sukkah. Uh, when we uh, have opportunity to visit some of our Jewish friends in Israel, in Jerusalem, we go and have a meal in the sukkah during the Feast of Tabernacles. And they're to remember and give thanks to God for all that he has done for them. It was an agricultural undergirding that was there. And we'll see from Leviticus chapter 23, as he gives the feast, you, got, you must remember that Israel was an agrarian society at that time. Interestingly, when they were dispersed to the four corners of the earth in 70 AD, they left off being an agrarian society. And the reason for that is 
all the countries they went into, nobody would allow them to own a piece of property. You wonder why the Jews have gone into merchandising, into law, into, uh, into medicine. That's all there was left, into banking. There was nothing else left to do. They were run off of the land. They couldn't have a piece of property. They couldn't continue their agrarian society. But I want you to remember that when they came back into the land, the first thing they did was form kibbutz, kibbutzim across the nation for the purpose of getting once again to the earth and becoming an agrarian society. And God in the feast is going to remind them. We think of the Feast of First Fruits. That was the barley harvest. And they were to hold, we'll, we'll study through these, but I'm just giving you an overview. They were to hold a, a sheaf up and, and wave it before the Lord in thanksgiving for the barley harvest. Fifty days later, at the Feast of Pentecost, they were to hold two loaves up and give thanks for the wheat harvest. And then in the seventh month, in the fifteenth day, at the Feast of Tabernacles, they were to come in thanksgiving at the Feast of Tabernacles for the harvest of grapes, of olives, and of the fruits. And so these feasts are are agricultural, they're historical in background. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 16, look, keep your finger here and go over to Deuteronomy chapter 16 just for a moment. And let me show you as he is giving them uh, the information that they need to be able to observe these feasts, he lays out the responsibility they will have. There are going to be certain pilgrim feasts that they are to participate in. Verse 16, three times a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, in the Feast of Weeks, that's Pentecost, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give, give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he uh, hath given thee. And so three times a year, at least for three of the seven feasts, the feast, and it says here on leavened bread, but it's basically talking about the feast of Pesach or the feast of Passover, which was sung about just a moment ago. The two have been combined, and in fact the first three have been combined. That's what we're going to look at this evening. But they were to appear at Jerusalem. Every male, he was to bring his family. He wasn't to come empty-handed. He was to bring an offering. They were to go to the temple. When the temple was not standing, the tabernacle, the transportable worship center throughout the wilderness, and then when it moved out of the wilderness across into the promised land, and for 350 years, set at Shiloh, you pronounce it Shiloh, it's in Hebrew pronounced Shiloh, it's set for 350 years at Shiloh, they were to go to Shiloh once, uh, three times a year at the Feast of Passover, at the Feast of Pentecost. Remember on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, there were Jews gathered from every nation of the world. Why? They were being obedient to Deuteronomy 16, 16, making the word is Aliyah. It means to go up to Jerusalem. Can you say Aliyah? Say Aliyah. Aliyah. So there, I'm continuing your Hebrew lesson. Aliyah, to go up to Jerusalem. And three times a year they were to do that at Passover, at uh, Pentecost, and then in Tabernacles. At the Feast of Tabernacles, they were to go up to Jerusalem. These are the three pilgrim feasts that God is going to lay out for them. Back in Leviticus chapter, six, uh, chapter 23, we then understand that not only are they, are they historical, are they agricultural, but they're sacrificial. 
Thank you so very much for taking a few moments to take a look at the book, the subject, The Feast of God. How do they play into end-time activities? Jesus Christ was crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread. He resurrected on first fruits, and as he promised, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. By the way, there are three fall feasts, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus Christ will fulfill those feasts as well in the proper day sequences. Now, if you want to understand how the feasts predict the end-time events that are happening in our day, you need to have your copy of this The Feast of God, a five-part audio series on CD available right now. You can call our toll-free number. It's 877-674-3298. That number is toll-free from across America. Call and order your copy of The Feast of God. Again, that number, 877-674-3298. Or if you'd like to, you can go right this moment to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, and order your copy of The Feast of God, a five-part audio series on CD, available for you right away. And let me just remind you, everything that we've talked about in this study, and in fact all of the study of the Feast of God, indicates that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. Every prophecy that needed to be fulfilled before the rapture, when Jesus calls us to be with him, Every single one of those prophecies have been fulfilled. The rapture will begin the prophetic events prophesied in God's word that must happen before Christ comes back. Evidence of the fact that Jesus Christ could shout, the archangel could shout, and the trump of God could sound to call us to be with him in the air. That's the rapture. By the way, that could happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...